0: Are here for a reason. Breaking down the Brotherhood. One prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. Right on Radio coverage the latest information separate fact from opinion get the truth get the news <laughs> you're listening to right on radio you are here for a reason and christy you are here for a reason as well welcome to right on radio everybody my name is jeff this is christy we have a great show for you today and christy you did not even know this no. But officially, this is our 300th episode.
1: Wow, Jeff. Congratulations. I mean, you guys have done such a great job at Ride On Radio. That whole team is amazing. I just love the shows that you've put out and the education that you provided to a lot of people. And the truth is going to really set us all free.
0: That's right. And so... Uh, This is the the official 300th, but in actuality, this is the 405th episode because I don't actually number a lot of the lives that we do and stuff like that as episodes. We just count them as bonus shows. But Christy, today's guest, I am so excited about. I believe I met her by divine appointment. Honestly, um, when I was away a couple weeks ago, we met, and, and I'll tell you, I could feel the Holy Spirit inside of her, uh, and, and I don't say that lightly because I don't say something like that often, uh, but we really connected in the spirit, and uh, she is a fighter. Man, she is a fighter. She is someone I would have in a foxhole right next to me, <laughs> absolutely, and uh, her story is going to rock this program today.
1: Wow, I, I'm looking forward to hearing it myself because for those of you watching, I have not heard the story at all. I just heard a little brief behind the scenes before we come on, and I just can't even believe even even the brief of what what she said. So I, I'm looking forward to hearing and, and really diving in deep. So if anybody notices my eyes wondering, I may you know start to do a little research while she's. While she's chatting, because that's just what I like to do. I like to research and see what I see, what I find. So I know what questions to ask, because guess what? If I have the question already, you have probably got the question too.
0: That's right. So I titled this episode, she resigned and it shook America because if you've been in this movement for a while, most likely you read her resignation letter. It went viral millions of views but there is so much more to her story. And you're gonna see why she is so passionate about freedom and we not we cannot take it for granted. We need to fight for this every day. The days of being on the couch are gone that you know, I will agree with the cabal. This is the new normal uh, because we're never going back to the way yeah. it was. We can never do that again. It is time to take action. And with such a big introduction, she's got a lot of room to to prove here, but I know you're not going to be disappointed. Without further ado, please welcome Mickey Jeans. Mickey, welcome to Ride On Radio.
2: Thank you so much, Jeff and Christy, for having me on your show. I'm really excited to be here and to be a part of um, Truth.
0: Truth will set you free. That is the theme of the show. Of course, we also talk about live right in the real world, where we expose the real world. And you're going to learn some things about the real world today that have been happening for decades. And actually, you know, Mickey is a survivor. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is what's going to feed the story. Uh, So, Mickey... I don't know where you want to start maybe a little bit about your childhood and then how you got into that situation in the mid 80s
2: Sure All right well um just i guess kind of to, to just set up for y'all the place that my family was at um we come from a poor background i know that uh, Jeff you can identify with that uh being in Compton um we didn't have the tools that we needed to succeed and to be a healthy, emotionally and spiritually healthy family. And so I would say, based on that, uh, that we were just we were born into sin and we were living in sin. And so as um, my family was raising the next generation of which I was a part of that, um, there was just a lot of you know rebellion and a lot of uh, negativity, and it was just absence of the presence of God is what it was.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's hell yes, <laughs>
2: indeed, essentially
0: it is. that's the absence of the presence of God and uh, when you have the absence of the presence of God the world has a bunch of little trappings that it pulls you into and, and you know the Egyptian God will pull you into he's got a custom designed trap especially made for you uh, some people it's gluttony other people it's alcoholism Uh, nymphomania like there's all kinds of stuff that he draws you into but uh, people who come from poor families and and were you in El Paso at this time I was yeah so border community uh, very divided community especially in the 80s uh, there wasn't a lot of synchronicity I think it's actually improved now uh, you know where the uh, Spanish are really coming more into the conservative values and things like that, but uh, there's also a lot of liberalism there. And uh, by the way, uh, just a little bit of uh, trivia, if you look up the word liberal in your dictionary, there's about ten definitions, but one of them is against God. Wow. Really? I didn't know
1: that, Jeff. Look it
0: up. It says against God.
1: Wow. 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 That doesn't surprise me. I mean, I don't know why we should be surprised on that, Mickey.
2: <laughs> Not at all. It's actually very confirming. It's very yeah.
1: Confirming. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so Mickey, you fell into some trappings, and uh, why don't you start with that, and then let let's jump right into this place that uh, you were held captive.
2: Okay. Um, well, I to begin with, um, there was addiction in my family. And one of my family members was involved in um, drugs for quite a long time, even from young and growing up. And so because of that, his mother decided to get help and she wanted to she fully believed that she was going to help him overcome addiction by getting him into a rehabilitation facility and i think that a lot of uh, parents can identify with that even to this day you love your kids you do not want them to go down this road so you do everything you can to try to prevent that Um, and that's what she did Um, unfortunately there was just not a lot of education about the evil workings behind the scenes of the place that she chose um, and then in that uh, environment, when I started going through some things as a teenager, uh, there were some family members who um, were manipulated by this um, entity to kind of uh, abduct me uh, against my will and then trick me into going in into that place, into that program. Uh, so that's where that entire thing started. Uh, I had been um, I loved God. I was in my youth group. I was really struggling with my family environment. Uh, and because of that, I was out on my own very early at 16 or 15 years old. I was working. I was renting a room in a house with other girls from my youth group. Um, I had wanted to get back into high school because I, I was unable to finish high school at that point. Um, And so my life, I was trying to move forward in my life. And so one of my family members, she called me up one day and she said, Mickey, I'm so proud of you. I'm very excited that you are getting yourself back into high school and that you're doing this. You're doing this. And I just want to bless you. I want to take you shopping. I want to go get you some school supplies and some clothes and things that you might need, um, you know, so that you can be successful. And so she did come and pick me up. I had always wanted her love and affection. And so I was so happy because I was like, oh my goodness, this, it just made me feel so loved, so wanted, where I was kind of on a road to rejection and I had felt rejected, you know, throughout my uh, childhood. So when she uh, came to pick me up at the house that I was, where I was renting this room, she asked me if, Before we went shopping, if I wanted to go visit our family member who was in a rehabilitation center and I didn't want to go. I didn't want to. Can
1: I stop you really quick? So this this person picking you up, this is the church,
2: someone from the church? No, this was a family member. Family member. Okay, okay. Yeah.
0: But this was a deception.
2: This was a deception. Yeah. Okay. She came and she picked me up where I was staying and asked me if I wanted to go visit. Uh, Him and because she was blessing me so much, I felt obligated really to say yes. I mean, how could you say no when someone's about to, you know, help you through a hard time? Um, And so I went to this building and I had to sign what they called a guest log. Uh, And so I signed my name. And the next thing you know, I was taken. Some people came out from behind a door and they took me uh, back into the back of this building. From that point on, Hours went by and I was grilled with every question that you could think of. What drugs have you done? You're here for a reason. Apparently, you are not as good and innocent as you say you are. Your family is saying that you drink all the time. You have sex with all of these people. Those were all lies. But there was all of this accusation. This is
1: just from signing into the guest log. I mean, basically all you did was sign in like you're thinking that you're going to visit a family member. So you just signed in a guest log thinking that you just needed to sign in to go visit the family member. And then they started grilling you.
0: Well, they came out from behind doors and literally took you.
2: Yes. Yes. Wow. They took
0: me. Can you name this facility? Let's let's just get it out there.
2: Kids of El Paso. Kids are, no and so this this facility claims to be like a drug and alcohol rehab, or what it what is they it? do make that claim. They do make that claim. Um, as it turns out, the people who were supposedly licensed counselors and therapists weren't licensed at all. That all came out in court proceedings. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes, so this goes course. into
1: court. Your case goes into court, Mickey. I mean, I well, know was we're like the story, but just yeah. so everybody I mean, this is a very, very serious
0: situation. Evidently. It is. Yeah. Well, let, let's was- let, let's keep going from this time when you're just taken and grilled, because I I actually want to get the details of this. It's very important. Because, and by the way, this was what 1986, 87 ish. It was
2: 1986 August.
0: August of 1986. So this has been going on for a long time. Yes. And and what's important to know. Uh, is, first of all, who who was the head of the Kids of El Paso, who was the minister, and also tell us about some of the endorsements and then bring us back into that grilling and continue from there. But it's important right on the front end Mm -hmm. for people to know how high level this was.
2: Okay. Um, So this, uh, some of the endorsements, and I know that this is hard for people to hear, uh, were from Lady Diana. Like, and like princess diana lady diana like princess diana oh, yes wow. mhm and then also nancy reagan wow yeah and that i know that that is just incredibly difficult to hear and i'm sorry jeff what was the other question you wanted to and and, ask?
0: and who was the head minister because it, yeah. this was run as a ministry was it not
2: uh I would say that it was run as a drug rehab, uh, but when they brought in the, um, the practices of this program, it was very, uh, it was a cult. They made you act in ways, chanting, singing, acting in ways that were very cult-like. So the name of the person who was the beginning start of all of it, his name is Virgil Miller Newton. And he actually resides in Florida to this day in Madeira Beach, and he runs some kind of an Antioch Orthodox type of—I um, think it's called Christ at the Sea Foundation. Uh, and he's can you say his name again? Uh, absolutely, Virgil Miller Newton, N E W T O N. And he goes by Father Cassian nowadays.
1: Father Cassian and, and what's the name of Vedero beach, Florida, Madera,
2: Madera beach. Yeah, Madeira. beach. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's Christ at the sea foundation. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So Mickey, let's go back. So right, right. I want to go through because you were there for multiple, multiple months. I think you said seven yes. uh, in advance, but let's go back to that room. So literally you think you're signing into a guest log these guys come, they pull you forcibly, I'm assuming, Yes. into another room and they start interrogating you. And, and just to repeat, at the time you were in a youth group, you were doing things right. You were getting your life together. You did not have, you were not promiscuous no. at the time. No. Uh, you were not into really drugs or alcohol at the time.
2: No, no, nothing like that. I was very young and because I had um, family members who were involved in drugs and alcohol and promiscuity at that time in my life, I wanted nothing to do with that. I just wanted to serve Jesus. He was the light to me in a world filled with darkness. And so I grabbed onto him and I hold on to him to this day. Yes.
0: So what happens? They, they grilled you. They, they mm-hmm. labeled accusations against mm-hmm. you at that time. And so that goes on for hours. How many hours did it go on? And then what was the next step? What happened when they took you out of that room?
2: Well, um, I can't even begin to tell you I lost time that day. I couldn't tell you the day in August that I went in, but I lost an amount of time that, you know, that is hard to pinpoint. Hours went by because it was early in the morning when I got there and it was late at night by the time that they brought me into the group. Uh, so uh, all of, throughout those hours, I was strip searched for drugs. Um, I was brought... By in females
0: of, or males or both? Females. That just, females. Okay. So females. at least there's a little bit of dignity there.
2: Yes. yes. Um, and I was brought in front of other family members who knew the entire time they had worked in conjunction with each other to bring me in. So I, I just was on my knees in front of them and sat betrayed
0: in tears. So your family members are there as witnesses Mm -hmm. and they're by default, they're accusing you uh, Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And they're standing there in judgment of you. An innocent girl, and you said you're placed on your knees. What did that room look like? Paint, paint a picture for us.
2: So the only thing that I remember is that there were four walls with no no decor, and there were two seats. The person who had picked me up to go shopping was not in there. Two other family members were in there, uh, and there were just two plain chairs that they were sitting in and I was brought in front of them. And then the other two or three people were standing. And these were the people that were about to strip search me and then take me back for interrogation. They had taken my purse, my Bible, my clothes. They dressed me, you know, in, in clothes that they had for me. Um, And so what were those clothes like Mickey? So they're oversized jeans and a t-shirt and, tennis shoes. And the reason that they give, and I can go, I'll go into this later, but the reason that everyone had to wear jeans is because there are, there's a belt, there's belt loops. And so in the very back of your jeans, someone will belt loop you. And that means they're putting their finger within that belt loop, holding, twisting, and everybody holds onto you. You're no longer allowed to walk by yourself from that point on. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, When I was when I was there in front of my family members, I think that the, the the betrayal and the pain was so great and overwhelming. All I could do was just cry. I could not speak or ask why or what happened or is there, you know, any other way? I was in such shock that I was just shocked silent.
0: This is this wow. is breaking my heart, honestly. And I've heard a lot of stories, but I'm just really getting a vivid picture of this happening. And so it was. So you're brought before them. How how did you end up on your knees? Were you forced to your knees?
2: They told me to sit on my knees.
0: So that, that that's a form of control and humiliation. Yes. Oh yes, and, and submission, obviously. Oh yes, and so. Oh, yeah. So you're you're in this spot you're in you're in suspended disbelief mm-hmm. and you know from there they bring you out of this room they do the strip search and everything else that you talked about yes uh, then then you go into a dorm or what happens after that have you been fed or been given water at this point
2: no um as soon as i was i don't remember if my family members even said anything to me i can't I can't place what happened in that room. I just can't place it anymore. Um, but I was eventually taken out from that room and my family left me in this building and this was on Boeing street in El Paso city. So I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget that. But um there are multiple rooms. It's it. It now serves as like a board of education building. So there are a lot of offices, and these offices were converted, you know, into these interrogation rooms. And so once I was removed from my family, I was again strip searched. I was, you know, had to wear what they gave me to wear. I was, uh, I began to be interrogated not by one person but several people, only one at a time. So one person would come in with a notebook and start asking me, what drugs have you done? And I would say, I haven't done drugs. Oh, all right. So you've never done drugs. So everyone else is lying and you're telling the truth. And this grueling kind of accusatory questioning just continued. And it was quite honestly... For somebody in my position, when you are, you know, 16 years old and you're just uh, uh, fairly um, innocent, you don't know, I had no idea what they were talking about. They were asking me who I had had relations with and um, why is my family saying that I was having these sexual relations with everybody, you know, down the block or whatever, and then I'm the only one saying no. Apparently, you know, I'm the one who's wrong. And so it was just this extreme criticism. And then the questions got so detailed and sickening and gross uh, that it was just overwhelming. Um, And I, I hate to even say these things out loud, but they wanted to know who I had been with. Was it just humans? Was it boys? Was it girls, men, women? Was it animals? It was just this sickening perplexity of questions that just stunned me. And I was like, no, I've never done any of this. I've never had alcohol. I've never you know, experienced anything like this, to which I was met by, um, okay, so I guess you're just going to stay in denial. So because I have some kind of an addiction, I am in denial. And this is, you know, all my fault, that person would leave the room, somebody else would come in and begin grilling and grilling and grilling, and then they would leave and somebody else would come in to see if my answers were the same. And, you know, what I was lying about, and, how full of crap I was, and all of that. So it was just hours of that, and I, and I, all I could do was say, "I am innocent. I haven't mm-hmm. done anything like this." Had they given you a? Had they given you any kind of urine test
1: or blood test or anything to test? They did. Okay, they did test me for drugs. Yeah, and and did they say like your test came back positive? We know you're lying, or no? I mean, did no, they tried to use that. It.
2: And especially not at that point. Of course, I did have to, you know, in front of somebody, give a test to make sure that you're not hiding anything or using somebody else's urine or something like that. Um, but no, obviously, I was clean of that. And I'm sure the results came back later, but they never came back to me and told me any results, but it didn't matter. I mean, obviously. I never- they would have told
1: you if they I'm surprised they didn't try to use that and say, you know, that. You know, I mean, because they mm-hmm. like we all know that you know P tests, people can manipulate those in a lot of different ways. I'm surprised they didn't try to manipulate that. Or well, well it didn't
0: work towards their agenda, so they so they didn't uh, they didn't use it, and if they if they needed to, they would have just brought in someone else's, and so they would have swapped it behind yeah, the door. Right. This exactly. is one thing in my mind that I I need to ask before we continue on with the story, Mickey. Um, is it possible, and, and perhaps there's been some resolution now that you're an adult and, you know, this is uh, far in your past. Sure. Do you think that maybe your family were just suspect of all these things because you were out on your own so early? And do you think there's a chance they had good intention?
2: Um. So I'm just going to premise this with this comment. I was... I removed myself from my family and was not able to have any healthy relationships with anybody in my family until December of 2018. Wow. Wow. So um, it didn't, I didn't know at that time during all of those years, 30 years, I didn't know what the intentions were. I was left with a feeling of what is so bad about me that you would throw me away. And if, if, if y'all have read the Bible and I know that you have uh, you know, it's like Joseph, why did his brother sell him into, into slavery and put him down that well? Why did this happen? Why is it that the family that I was born into had um it just thrown me away? And so I took it like, even though I knew I was innocent of all of the accusations I carried with me for decades. That's just, 30 years. Yes. Just this feeling of, I am the worst person on the face of the earth. I don't know why Um they don't love me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I lived my life with wow. that kind of a feeling.
0: So after the interrogations, and I assume this is still in the first day or two, did the interrogations continue or did you were you brought into some sort of well? It was a program, mm-hmm. um, and and by the way, spoiler alert: it was a program. program. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a programming uh, facility. Mm-hmm. So, uh, talk us about uh, what life started to become. Uh, you know, in your in your first week in there, and what were the routines? What was happening?
2: Okay, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to answer also the question you had just asked prior. Um, There are certain family members that I have to this day that still cannot talk about this, but because of the Lord in my life and the Lord in my mother's life, she and I have gone through all of the healing for this. So um, I just want you to know that at the time, um, maybe they thought they were doing what was right. I think that one of my family members thought I was being bad when I wasn't. They were just trying to, um, kind of help, but were very controlling and manipulated my other family members. And so it was a really, a really difficult thing. Um, But the power that God has for restoration and healing is so great that uh, my mom at this point in my life is my absolute best friend, her and my daughter both. So I just want to premise that with that. Um, they were at a time in their life where they were very selfish and very, you know, and partying and they didn't want to, you know, deal with the rugrats running around. And that was their mindset that they grew up in. And yeah. that is something that is deeply regretted to this
0: day. Selfishness. And that's, sure. that's been going on for decades. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's the fall of the world right now. And the selfishness that, mm-hmm. uh, permeates society. It is,
2: it is. And then from that point on, and it was just that one day, that first day where I was just grilled uh, in that room by myself by different people. And there was a point during the evening hours, I'm sure, where they came in and there were several of them just screaming at me and spitting at me and just, you know, uh, calling me a liar. Um, And then at, at one point, I was just completely broken down. I was absolutely exhausted. I was absolutely in shock. I just couldn't figure out. I was so confused. I couldn't figure out what was going on and why this was happening. Um, when the interrogations were over, uh, I was belt looped, right. Um, by one of the females and followed by her, there were a couple of other staff members who are people who, uh, are in the program, but maybe they've moved up the ranks a little bit. Uh, and then corporate staff, which would be Virgil Newton. Uh, he has a couple of, you know, Cronies is what I call them that do his his dirty work for him. And they were all in in that corporate level of that program. Um, They brought me into the group and I came in from the back of the room being belt looped, which was humiliating enough. Um, And there was the room was divided into two groups of people coming from behind. On the right side, there were uh, the boy's side and the left side was the girl's side. The boy's side was much larger than the girl's side. And I was walked, uh, there were two people sitting on like bar stools or high, higher stools at the front of the room. And there was the, if y'all have ever heard of the eight step program or 12 step program for like Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that. <clears throat> these steps, were. Con- they were condensed into eight steps and those steps were on the front wall. Um, and I was walked forward by my belt loop to those two people in the front of the room. And then I was turned around to face the group. And they said, you know, we have somebody new in the group. I just want to introduce you. This is Mickey Davis, which is my maiden name. And I mean, let, let's let welcome her. And it was like, all of a sudden, everybody in the room started to do what they call motivating. This is another humiliation tactic. It was the craziest thing I had ever seen in my life, hands down to this day, they would flap their arms up and down so fast, acting like a monkey, chairs bouncing all over the place. I mean, they were just furiously motivating their hands and arms waving in the air. Um, And it was loud. I mean, it felt like eagles taking flight or something. I mean, it was just such a loud noise and everybody was just acting in this crazy way. And I could not even process that at all. And so, what they did was they called on my family member who was in the program, who to this day is an active drug addict. Okay. Um, Yes. And they called on him and he got up and started to accuse me of everything that he had done growing up.
0: And how long had had he been in this program prior to your arrival?
2: months and months, maybe a year, maybe longer. So he wouldn't
0: even know. Like, there's no way he could know because he was trapped in this place.
2: He was trapped in this place, but he was talking about when we were growing up because we all grew up together, Um, the things that he did when he was, you know, siphoning gas out of gas tanks and huffing paint and huffing gas and burning trees down and all of that stuff, he did all of that. And so he began to accuse me of all of those things that he had done growing up. Mm, which was very, very confusing. And again, at this point, I was just shocked and numb. Um, Other people started to come into the, uh, they started to call, they would sit him down, call on somebody else to welcome me. They um, decided, I guess at that point, that I did not have a drug problem. So they labeled me a behavior problem instead um, and slash pyromaniac. Never even lit a match in my life, but this was the diagnosis that they gave me. Uh, So I was introduced in that kind of a. this is who she is and this is what she is. And so and so people just began to question me after that. Uh, They would be like, well, I'm glad you're here. I hope that you can heal from this. I hope that you can get better. I hope that you can recover from your addiction and I, I, just, I just stood there, you know, stunned. And then after they had asked me these questions, um, they sat me down on the girl's side in the very front row, in the very end seat. And they, they went on with their nightly wrap. A wrap is a session that they would conduct during the day where they tell you that they have um, a certain topic of conversation. Like you want to talk about sometime that you got in trouble with the law. And then people would motivate to get called on. The worse you motivated or the louder you were, then the more apt you are to get called on so that you can relate to that topic and then maybe start working your program. So they went on with this with this rap session. And I was just sitting there, you know, again, just tears. I just I had I had nothing. I just I would just sat there. Um, Everyone around me, the girls uh, were all motivating. And I was like, I am never doing that. Never. Uh, So one of the staff members, as soon as they sat me down, she had told me, uh, you will have a free pass. You don't have to motivate for three days or two days on the third day. You have to start motivating. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not I don't care what they're doing. I am not doing this. Um, And so when the third day came and I refused to motivate, that's that was my first experience being thrown on the floor. And uh, being held, you know, on the floor and, and like a five point restraint. You know, you've got one person on each leg, one person on each arm and one person covering your mouth. And that was my introduction into that. Eventually-
0: the, the motivation, the motivating and again, for just our, for our listening audience who doesn't view this on, uh, that was when they're flapping their hands and they're doing this uh, ritual. yes. <laughs> Uh, There, there's definitely something. There's definitely a spiritual connection there to why they're doing that, and so. Then on the third day, you're supposed to do it. (laughs) No coincidence. Third day, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And then and it also sounds like they had maybe brainwashed your family member and I I, I was trying to look up the exact term yes. like in psychology I'm not a psychologist but mm-hmm. I think it's called like projective identification but maybe not mm-hmm. projective when they when they when somebody projects something on you that they're doing themselves that has a do you know what it is wow yeah, I have not so, heard that term, actually. Yeah, um, I don't know that that's what it is. I was looking at the exact definition doesn't seem to admit it, uh, but it basically um, and, you know, people in the chat may be able to do a little bit more research. I don't want my eyes to look like I'm like wondering here on video. But yeah, there it, it is a it is a it's basically placing something on you that they're actually doing. It is an actual disorder yes. that, believe it or not, a lot of people do, you know, when they're When they have a problem themselves, Mm -hmm. they will go and say that you are doing, you know, or other people, they'll kind of target someone that is is doing that. So, I mean, that's something that I think that people really do have to watch out for in general, Mm -hmm. um, especially right now, because, you know, I I think even a lot of politicians do it. So, you know, when they're saying that, oh, they're, you know, their competitor, may you know, or they're, they're the person they're running against, maybe doing this, it's probably because maybe they're doing, doing it themselves. So Mm -hmm. if you just, you know, I always encourage people to research maybe the name and, you know, the name and whatever they're talking about to see if anything comes up in their background for that exact, you know, projection um, that they're doing.
2: Yes. So
1: it's very interesting that they, that they would, you know, do that with, with your, with your exact um,
2: relative. Absolutely. And, you know, it makes sense. And and the reason this is so important to talk about as well is because it's like you said, Christy, um, you know, they, they do have this projection and somebody's going to be the scapegoat. Somebody is going to take the fall. And if you, um, at that point in my life, I was serving the Lord. I was talking about things of the Lord. I was um, not putting up with all of the negativity in my family. And so that I, that made me become the scapegoat for my family, who wanted to do what they wanted to do at that point. Um, But before I'm too hard on them, what parent hasn't had, you know, a teenager that has some kind of a problem? I mean, we oh, are yeah. insane when we are going through teenagehood. I mean, I raised my daughter, and uh, trust me, I mean, there was a time when I just told her, um, after she had my first granddaughter, I said, I am so thankful I did not kill you. Oh my goodness, I would never experience today. But, um, but we had there are people out there, vultures, right? He is seeking whom he may devour, to steal, to kill, mm-hmm. to destroy the people of God, especially. So when we know that's happening, they are looking at families that are uneducated, that are poor. And there is a, there's a villain in this story. And we know how the story ends though, don't we? But there is a villain and he is out looking for families that are just having your normal average, um, you know, struggles with your teenagers. So this is the caution. This is the warning. Be very, very careful right here. Yeah. So
1: we're, we're not even we haven't even made it through your story, Mickey, because I know that there there is obviously a happy ending, but we're yes. not like, can you tell us more about, you know, like what what the processes were after that monkey incident where they're trying to, you know, tell us what you remember, you know, after that? Because, I mean, you,
2: you were here for a total of seven months, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was in for seven months. Every day looks identical. It is like Groundhog Day over and over and over and over and over again. The motivation monkey activity is a humiliation tactic. You have to act like this. And if you are good enough, then we will call on you and maybe we'll give you the chance, you know, to work this program. Um, Obviously, I would be called on in group, you know, different days uh, I would I did start motivating I did get tired of being you know kind of uh, beaten up over it so I ended up complying if you don't comply you're just going to be on the floor um or in the in what they call the quiet room which the quiet room is a place that they take you on more severe offenses like when you tried to escape like I did <laughs> I did try to escape around my fifth month um they uh, they use physical abuse right to hurt you to break you down it's Fear. Sound familiar? Yeah. Fear. They beat you up one time or you're watching others get beat up. You don't want that to happen to you again. And so you begin to comply. And that is very similar and parallel to what we're going through in today's world. Exactly. Every single day, there was a a breakfast wrap, a morning wrap. You know, there was a lunchtime where they would serve you something minimal, halfway healthy, like a sandwich, peanut butter, jelly sandwich and an apple and water. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, at dinner, you would eat it in your host home. So uh, at the end, you're in the building for 14 hours a day, early in the morning until late at night, um, going through all of these wraps and exercise wrap. Um, where they kind of get you up out of this chair for the first time. And mind you, this is a very, very stressful environment. The girls had stopped having their monthly cycles because the stress was that hard. Um, they, you are not allowed to go to the bathroom. If they don't want you to go to the bathroom, you're not going to go to the bathroom. So we all know what the result of that is. Um, and so in many cases, um, this is going on and 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 a lot of the clients are just made to sit in that. So there's a lot of um, oh. humiliation, you know, when it comes to that as well. Um, either way, um, you know, if you if, If you are not doing what they want you to do, then they have the control to tell you either you're going to be able to go to the bathroom or you're not. And then of course, if they don't allow it and then you, um, cannot hold that anymore which you know in that situation you can't forever um, then of course you are uh, grilled and laughed at and made fun of and put down and all of that so they're taking every basic need that we have your need for privacy your need for feminine hygiene or just hygiene period your need for acceptance or love your need for food your need for sleep they would deprive us of sleep we only slept you know three maybe four hours every night and then if we were in group and Started to nod off or fall asleep, which happens when you're exhausted. Um, they they say that that's an indication that you're lying. If you're falling asleep, that means you're lying, and so this is grilled into your head. So you're trying so hard to stay awake because you want them to think or know that you're telling the truth, and it's just a constant um, mind game. It's a constant.
0: This system. is torture. It's yeah. torture this and is it, absolute torture it's very
1: similar i mean in a, in a in a completely different way but the parallels that we've seen like even with the propaganda on the media of running the death count across that's not factual related to the v uh, and you know oh, when i say the v i mean not only this but the thing that's inside right so we're we're not even getting flagged for anything um, But they they have really mind manipulated people to the point where you will wear a diaper over your face Mm -hmm. to the point where you cannot get the amount of oxygen that you need, even though you are just wearing this diaper over your face that cannot protect you against even if even if there was a virus out there, it's not going to protect you. So it's and so if if you're one of those people that are still believing that, you know, there is like, listen, there are it is a mind manipulation game. And I know that there are people listening right now that have not stepped up and just removed their mask. Jeff and I've talked about this many times, but this is the ultimate sign they have got you. OK, obedience. They, it's obedience and this is and, part of what it is. And, and 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 making you believe that you're protecting everyone else. You're not. Uh-huh. That's a lie. It's a lie. That's a lie. It's a lie. You know, it's a lie. And, yeah. If it were protecting everyone else, then guess what? You wouldn't need to wear a mask if if that jab that you got worked. OK, so and if you've gotten it, it's OK. Like pray, repent, but just don't keep doing it. Sorry, Mickey, I, I literally, like, no, I see so many parallels of... Well, I'm, like, I'm really glad you
0: brought up all that stuff, Christy, because, you know, listen, this is basic human programming. Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah,
0: programming has come a long way. It's come into mass formation now because of the inundation of information now that comes from so many sources. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was always fear-based and control-based mm-hmm. and denial, and torture were were the ways and that's what was happening to you Mickey uh but now it's just if you repeat a lie and have so many people repeat it it becomes believable and then they make you think that you're if you don't participate in the lie that you are a bad person and everyone wants to be a good neighbor to each other that's our human so they use our goodness against ourselves exactly. so, so i just want to I just want to finish up this part of your story, though. So um, you, you, so there was abuse. Was 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 there any other kinds of abuses? I don't want to go. I don't want to pry too much, but were, were was there molestations or anything like that, or was it more just the stuff that they were talking about? And then uh, you said you had a host home. Tell me about that as well.
2: So no molestation that I know about. I certainly wasn't approached in that way. Um, and because of the rigid being accountable every second of every day, that was something that I did not see happen. I learned later on that as people were advancing through their phases and they were, obviously I, I didn't finish high school, right because of because of this, we weren't allowed to go to school. Um, you're in this building all the time, so your education is stripped from you immediately. Um, But when you work up the phases enough, you can go back to school. Well, at that point, there was a lot of promiscuity issues among people who were earning the right to go back to school. And so that, you know, but as far as like the leadership of it, not to my knowledge.
0: So that was just more human nature. Young, young adults.
2: Yeah. Right. Okay. which is probably inside a program like that or outside of a program. Um, So the host home situation is the actual parents of the people who were in that program and some of them were of age 18 20 23 25 years old still being held against their will even as adults that was the reason for the court case to begin with um the parents of these people had to of the kids the clients they had to open their homes and go through a rigorous um like a I guess an evaluation by the people in the program they would go to the the people's houses they would identify the room that everybody was going to sleep in because at night when you went to one of these host homes it was anywhere between four and eight people that are cramped kind of into one room and you don't have any blankets or pillows they did give you a sheet um, and everyone is sleeping on the floor and you are locked into this room so the person the client who um, actually had moved up a, a couple of phases, they were. It was their parents' house that you would be at, and they were called an oldcomer. All of us were called newcomers. You were considered an oldcomer when you earned a certain phase. Um, so the old comer would put like a cot or sometimes they had a bed or something like that against that. They closed the door and then their bed was against that door. And then from the outside, there were locks all on the outside of that door that had to be locked. There were bars on the window so that you could not jump out the window, get out the window, uh, or anything like that. So it was a very, um, secure, place to house people and then the vehicles when we would go from the building to a host home the vehicles had to meet certain standards as well they had many vans they had to have tinted windows because obviously when you're in the van you know and you're driving down the interstate to go to people's houses um you can't look out the window and flag for help So you are, you know, all of the windows are tinted. I am so confused on why they would even have risk
1: taking you out of that building. Was there just not enough room for like, was this a big building, a little building? I mean, like, because normally you hear of situations like this where you're like, you're at that location and you don't leave the location at all. So it seems very strange just in general that they would, you know, have you like and any, even family members being okay with you, like going to someone's a host home, mm-hmm. like, do you know any, I
2: mean, so when your family, family members think are the ones that are putting you in there? The least thing that they're concerned about is, is this, you know, Yeah, so I mean, but what I'm
1: different. saying is like, you know, even if they thought <laughs> Jeff asked earlier, did they think they were doing good? There's no way if they know, you know, that you're going to some other home, because I mean, to me, that immediately screams that there, that leaves just an, an open door. Thank God you don't remember, or you did, you were not sexually molested or raped or, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I mean, who knows whether it happened to other people? Um, you know, I just say, thank God, sometimes you don't remember these things, right? I mean, like because who knows what, But, you know, it's just very strange that they would have allowed they would think that that's okay
2: in general. You know, it is. It is very strange. Uh, And I know that I don't know why they had it set up that way. The building that we were in, you know, dir- you know, from 5 a.m. until, you know, sometimes 11 or 12 o'clock at night, um, they had a cafeteria facilities because they would feed us sandwiches at, at lunch in the day. Um, so food wasn't an issue. I know that they had bathrooms, um, but they didn't have like shower facilities or anything like that. So okay. I don't know if that was a situation or a reason that they, you know, had um, made this happen. Um, so can yeah. you kind of describe, because, because it wasn't a, like, you know, when we first
1: think of a building like this, we think of like an insane as- asylum, right. Where there is, you have your own room or, you know, you're in a room with maybe another person <clears throat> and maybe you guys have a shared bathroom or something of that nature. Can you kind of tell, like, is there any kind of comparison? And I'm not saying that the building has to be exactly like another something, but like, do you remember, inside or outside like is there any comparable place that like a you know a generic place today that people might you know that we can just like paint the picture of what that place was like you know was it like a like a small hospital i mean i'm assuming it probably wasn't like a small hospital i mean that's originally what
2: i was thinking until you started saying this host home right Um, it was not like a hospital it was to this day, that very building is the El Paso Independent School District business offices. So, so offices, it, so it's vendor just vendor offices. offices. There, okay. it, you know, to have two people to a room and have like a shared bathroom or something like that would have been a luxury to us. Right, uh, nothing like that existed in that building. Um, it had signs on the doors, like you know women's bathroom or men's bathroom or something like that we oh by the way we weren't allowed to read so if you got caught reading a sign on the door then obviously you were punished for that you're not allowed to read books read at all no reading unless it's the eight steps on the walls in front of you um the the shower at the end of every night when we would get to a host home uh our shout we would all be all of us if there was four of you or eight of you everybody was in the bathroom simultaneously and there were 15 minutes given for all eight people to shower, brush their teeth, get pajamas on to go into the isolation room where you're sleeping.
0: Wow. 15 minutes, eight people to shower and you're all in the same room. And this is we like this bathroom. is a regular house bathroom. So it's regular done.
2: house bathroom. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So these are these are people's actual homes. Uh, that they're that they're running in. And the type of people, the type of people that were vetted were other people's parents? Yes. Yes. If you have your child is in this program.
0: In the cult.
2: In the cult. So you have a vested interest, right? So who better to trust than the parents who are trying to get their drug addict children better?
1: Yeah, it this is, is. I mean, if you can't control your own child and you're sending them somewhere, why in the world would you want to take in eight other children that are like this? I'm sorry, there 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 had to have been something else going on, you know. Okay. It makes you wonder. You know, there there are things on Netflix where you know they're exposing this voyeur guy, and supposedly it's one guy that has cameras in the bathroom, you know, in, in, in all the hotel rooms in California for a while, but it just makes you wonder, you know, were they recording and selling this footage? Were they planning to sell you all, you know, um, there, there had to be much more to the why. I mean, and you know, I, I really am looking forward to researching and hopefully some of our diggers can even help, you know, because it, you know, just bringing out what these people, you know, were possibly
0: trying to do. Yes. And, and, and so, just to paint the picture, like, and and the, you know, I think being locked in a room with no blankets, being having to sleep on the floor, mm-hmm. endorsed by Nancy Reagan, folks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Endorsed yeah, exactly. by Nancy Reagan. By the way, and fact check me on this, but I believe that Oprah was exposed a few years ago about running these types of facilities as well. And, oh, Dr. Phil. It was Dr. Phil who was running these addiction facilities as well. And it was there was an expose done on him. Uh, so, Mickey, let, let's... And Harold, let's, and that's the
1: reason, Jeff, I wanted to bring out, like, the type. Because, I mean, if you are Princess Diana or Nancy Reagan and you're coming to this facility, I mean, because just in a quick search, um, and maybe we could just post the link down below, of showing them at these facilities Mm -hmm. and in this room, right? So they had to have come there. That's the point. These people came there. They saw that there were no, you know, did they bother to walk the rest of this place? Because, I mean, I know as a regular person, if I'm going to endorse something or put my name on it, I want to walk around and I want the freedom to be able to do that. You know, and I'm sorry if they didn't take the time to do it, but shame on them.
2: Right. Right. And, it, you know, it's it's interesting that you even bring this up about you know Nancy Reagan and how how difficult is it for us to swallow that? Because the Reagans oftentimes, you know, we're like, oh, this is the best president we've ever had. You know, we tend to um, want to have a hero. So it's hard to hear that Lady Diana, you know, would be a part of this or Nancy Reagan would be a part of this. These things are very hard. It's so hard for me to hear even. I didn't realize that they had endorsed this program until years after I was out. And I before I was awake, if I can say that, you know, um, I had no idea that this was all going on. And so I, I was just as devastated to find out about these endorsements as maybe some of our listeners are today.
1: Well, and, and, you know, to some of our listeners and I know I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. But there is a movie called American Made out there um, that has um, Tom Cruise in it that is the story of Barry Seal. And if you watch the presidents that were involved in the Barry Seal story, which was basically the CIA operation to run drugs. So, and and who came out with this, just say no to drugs campaign, the Reagans. I mean, we all have to wake up at some point. I'm really sorry, you know, listen, my grandfather has an award from Ronald Reagan. Okay, so if if it's heartbreaking to anybody, it's heartbreaking to me too. I mean, literally he has an award you know, for being in the army, the Ronald Reagan presidential award. Okay. So, I mean, you know, and, and, and my grandfather loved that award and he had no idea that, you know, this was going on. So, but the rest of us, we have to wake up and, and realize that these people, many of our politicians are not good. Um, and and it doesn't take very much digging to see that.
0: They're all in the same club.
1: They are yes until we step up and take the positions you know and and that's what we're supposed to do you know jeff and i talked about it the last episode yeah so we have to do it we're going to be talking more about it hopefully um but yeah we can't continue to let these people you know number one when we when we think that they're good and let them occupy our minds i mean even princess diana you know she tried to come forth with her butler you know there's you know i would you know it makes me want to go back and like listen to that story, you know, and people like, um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, there, I think they're,
0: she was a victim. She was, a yeah, victim. I think she was
1: too. She you know, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. And, and and her profile was used for stuff like this. At least that's what we want to hope. Right. I mean, you know, we, ha- we all have to keep our eyes open to that too. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the reason we're not supposed to look at any one man or woman. Um, and we're supposed to look, to um our lord and savior you know that's what we're supposed to and and ask the father you know ask him i mean he will reveal it to us i mean i know that's what i do you know when i am looking for something it really doesn't take long i feel like he will he will like just take us to the right
0: spot just in time he's a just in time god exactly. (laughs) mickey let's just let's just finish up this portion here and Tell me about the day you get out, because you really hadn't seen sunshine in seven months. Tell me about that.
2: Um, So in this program, I told the truth for the first five months. I had never done anything. That wasn't working. I was praying for God to get me out somehow to release me. I remember the story in the Bible where the friends had cut a hole in the ceiling and you know and, and brought their friend down for Jesus to heal. I was waiting for my youth group. I was waiting for my pastor. All right? I was waiting for people who loved God, who missed me to get me out of here and it never happened. Um and so I w- I got to the point where I'm like I'm not I'm going to be here forever if I don't do something different. So the first thing I tried to do is I tried to escape. We were, you know, back whenever you take the van from the building to the host home, they have a system where the person, the first person to get out of the van, it comes out backwards. And then they start belt looping each person coming out of the van. The very front person, the last one to come backwards out of the van has to carry these um, MIs, which are you have to write every day what you've learned basically. And the the parents, the old parents, coffee cup or purse or whatever it is, that last person is responsible for all of that. Um, So I had been planning my escape and uh, my heart was just beating so badly because I was terrified to make this um, escape attempt. And so I had, I planned it. And on the day that I chose to execute this plan, I made sure that I went into the van first from the building that I got out last, that I was the one holding everything. And before I backed out of the van and let somebody belt loop me, I turned around, threw all my stuff at them and I took off down the street running, trying to scream. I had no voice. I couldn't, it was 11 o'clock at night. People were probably sleeping. I couldn't scream. I couldn't run. My body was weak. I was 89 pounds when I got out of there. So I couldn't make my body do anything. And then the next thing I know, I was yanked just by my hair and yanked down to the, uh, to the asphalt in the middle of the street and then restrained and then brought, you know, obviously back into the, uh, to the, uh, the host home's house the next day in group that they they alerted the, you know, the, um, the directors, the leaders immediately. So they were waiting for me when I got into the building the next day. And, you know, I was that day I was, um, I was just hurt a lot that day. You know, I was beaten. I was tortured about, uh, you know, I was put on the floor every time I would. And then at that point, I just I couldn't fight anymore. So I just went limp. You're not allowed to sleep. I got rebellious. I'd sit in the chair. I would have my hair down. I just I got rebellious is what they called it. I would tell everyone F off. I started cussing. I was, you know, just Doing anything I could to be disruptive. You couldn't look at the guy's side. I would look at the guy's side, start calling their names out. You know, I just, it was like freedom. I know it sounds crazy, but it was freedom to me. You didn't didn't care anymore. I didn't didn't care about what
0: happened to you anymore.
2: That's right. But I could only go so long that way, being rebellious. And I was in that kind of a situation for a couple of weeks. And then I thought the only way I'm going to get out of here is to do what they say, to work the program. So I started lying. I slept with him. I slept with her. I slept with this. I did these drugs. I drank that. I just started lying. And all of a sudden, I started moving up the ranks. Mm. So I did that for a a few weeks until my seventh month. And I thought I was going to earn the right to go home to be an old comer. And the minute I earned that right to go home, I was going to run away. You know from my family and i didn't care if i had to cross the border in new mexico hide in a dumpster i didn't care i was not going to be in there anymore my goal was to move up get out run away and I didn't, care. I didn't care i didn't care if i lived i didn't care if i died i didn't care if i went to jail i didn't care anything was better than this and so that was my mentality um so i was working this program and i had all of these lies going and i was ready for it and then all of a sudden one day i got called to the office the big corporate people came into group. They called me away uh, from this group environment. They said to come to the back of the room. So I stood up, nobody belt looped me or anything. I freely walked to the back of the room, which was frightening and freeing. I was like, ah, look, I'm not being belt looped. It was like this, uh, just that, that innocent, huh, what's going on here? Um, and then they, they continued to, these corporate people uh, took me into a hallway. I had my head down because I didn't want to lift my head up and get accused of reading any signs on the wall. So I had my head down. I was following them and they brought me into a room and, and just sat me into one of these interrogation rooms. And I thought, oh no, they know I'm lying. They know they have figured me out and they know I'm lying. And so I, I sat there and I thought they're testing me. I don't know what is going on, but I was filled with fear at that point. Um, and then they started asking me if I was wanting to continue to work my program. Was I happy there? Well, at that point, I was like, "Yeah, I'm happy here," because I'm thinking if I say no, they're going to know that I'm lying and I'm going back to square one. So I was terrified. Um, and I, I said, "I'm happy. I'm happy here." And they said, "Well, there's somebody here who wants to see you." They stood me up and took me into another room, and they sat me in front of my mom. Wow. I had not spoken to her. I had not. I didn't know what she knew what was going on. I had no idea what was going on. And they said, she has something that she wants to talk to you about. And they began to tell me that she was moving to California. And that if I wanted to go with her, that she was there to pick me up and I could go with her. And I thought this is the ultimate test they're going to kill me. I don't, I just thought they're going to find out everything if I don't play my cards right. So um, my mom asked me if I wanted to go. And so my, I thought it was safe. I felt like God met me in that moment because I had no idea what to do or say. And so I felt like he, even though I felt at the time that he had betrayed me. Okay. My faith struggled during this time. I, I, Asked the question. I said, mom, you know, um, is there another kids program there that I can transfer to? I thought that was a safe bet. I thought that's a safe question. I'll ask that. Smart answer. And they said, no, but they are building one, which they never did build that facility. But they, they said that they're building one. But in the meantime, in order to continue working my program, I could just go to like Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. My mom could take me there. I could work through a program like that until I voluntarily you know, put myself into the new facility in California. And of course, my mind, there's no way this is going to happen, right? I'm out. I'm out. I don't care if I have to kill myself. I'm not going back in. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: By the way, I did struggle with that for years, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, wanting to die. (laughs) Um, But what ended up happening is I said, if they, if I can do that and go to Alcoholics Anonymous, and and then eventually sign myself into a California facility, then Yes, I want to go home with my mom. I want to go with my mom, and they said okay. And wow. so, got up. You
0: gave such a smart answer, though, because they wanted to. They, they, you knew that they had to have control over you.
2: Yes, yeah. absolutely.
0: God provided it, absolutely. Yes, it. God.
2: Yes. And at that moment, my mom also stood up and she said, okay, come on. And I was just, I can't even, I can't even describe the feeling. I thought I was going to walk out of this building. I thought, you know, and, and it happened that I did. We walked out of that room down another long hallway, some maybe two long hallways. I can't even remember. And I walked into the front office, the very same office where I had signed my name that day. And there were two glass doors and it was light in there. No more fluorescent lights. It was like the sun was shining into the room. Wow. My mom opened the door. She said, come with me. We walked outside, and it was a spring day, March 27th, 1987. It was a spring day, and there was a little bit of a chill in the air. I remember that, and, and my mom walked me to the car, her car that had no tinted windows, and she said, Let, let's go, and I just stood there. I was like, do I get in the front seat the back seat am i allowed to open the door do i, I didn't i had no idea what to do at that moment she said yes open the door i and i got in and i just sat there and i think we drove silently to her home i couldn't i couldn't speak it was like you ever heard the scenario of like a caged bird, you know, you finally open the door and you want the bird to fly free or or you know
0: it doesn't it doesn't know doesn't know the world outside, doesn't want to do it.
2: You don't know it anymore. And you know, obviously there's a uh, a lot of PTSD that I suffered throughout this, a lot of nightmares of being abducted back into this place and you know, over the years it's taken a lot of healing and God and the presence of God and the power in the name of Jesus met me at every demonic turn, every Dream every nightmare, everything he met me there. I took a nosedive in my faith, and it took me many years to come back up for air and start realizing the power of God and Jesus in my life again. And when I did, I never let go, and I will not ever let go. Yeah, well,
0: Mickey, I listen, I want to give your entire story justice and. You know, I I labeled this. Uh, she resigned, and it shook America. <laughs> I think I want to handle that separately because uh, I want to have the, the proper amount of time to go through that. Um, so I'm going to ask you in just a moment to uh, tease that, if you would, and and I'm going to have you back on. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I, I have we have to have you back on. Uh, you did not really such a beautiful testimony and, and because I've met you I, I know how beautiful you are inside and and that the spirit of God is real in you and you know God let you go through this stuff believe it or not because he loves you so much That's right. and he's prepared you for this time uh, but just before I let you tease that I have to say that I met Mickey at a My Liberty Stand event because we fight for freedom at My Liberty Stand. And yes, she is on the team. Christy's on the team. Everybody's on the team. You won't believe the testimonials. We're building a kingdom economy. We are fighting with our dollars against the cabal. We're being better for our families, folks. You know.
1: And we're not going to be sitting around waiting on when there's empty shelves. That's no. right. And we're oh, no. protected
0: in that. That we we've we've got inflation beat, we've got the uh, the shortages beat. Uh, and, and there's ways that you can actually participate with us, and uh, we have some amazing testimonials. Uh, Mickey is one of them. Christy is one of them. I'm certainly one of them, and uh, we're going to do a show on that in the future, but I just wanted to say go to mylibertystand.com, uh, particularly for North America right now, although I am opening up uh, internationally now that my application has been approved. Just a couple little steps so I don't mess it up that i got to walk through. Uh, but go to MyLibertyStand.com. Don't delay. And by the way, if you have signed up before and no one's contacted you, sometimes there's been a glitch, uh, sign up again. And if you've signed up twice and you're frustrated, send me an email at writeonjeff at gmail.com. So, Mickey, tell us about, tease us your resignation and set up the next show with you. Um,
2: Okay, I will do the best that I can. So, there is such thing, such a thing out there in our world today uh, that is the medical cabal. It is real. It has been going on for many, many, many years. And I would have to say, because I was in the medical field for over 30 years, that there is a mind game going on in, in the healthcare arena. And if we Um, because we begin to seek for truth when we start seeing what's really happening behind our hospital systems. Um, It is shocking. It is devastating. It is disappointing. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. If people are still working in America's hospitals, you are complicit, not only in death, but in corruption. So uh that, that, and that is why uh, I have chosen to leave.
0: And your resignation is, is certainly epic. And it's funny, I had read it and I didn't realize that was yours when I met you, but I had read that a while ago and uh, really? it, wow. it is a takedown. Let me tell you, uh it could not have been more, spirit-led in my opinion uh it really really was something special and uh look we're, we're gonna talk more about i'm gonna do a whole show on that with you and the medical tyranny um but christy and mickey i'm gonna put you both on the spot here so this show right now we're mickey. <laughs> we're about uh we're, about, uh, 11. we're We're just about one and a quarter hours into this, so I'm going to play it at 7 o'clock. Let's say at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time tonight, why don't we do a call-in show where people can call in and ask questions of the three of us. We could talk a little bit more about the things we talked about today. Maybe fill in some gaps, have some call-ins, and we'll do it on our Podbean exclusive and uh, listeners can yeah. come in and talk to you both. Sure, that would
1: Absolutely. be fun.
0: I'd love to. You'd be available. Okay, yes. so at eight thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Podbean, we are going to do some updates to this story, and we'll take some calls. And uh, and by the way, the calls don't have to be about Mickey's story; they can be about anything. We're we're kind of all knowledgeable in the things that are happening in the world. And we are unrestrained on that platform.
1: I so, love Podbean, Jeff.
0: Yeah, they're, <laughs> fun. they're fun. It's
1: so easy, too, because all you have to do is download the app. You get on. You don't even have to, like, call in a number. You know, it's so easy. Just unmute yourself when you want to ask a question.
0: That's right. So, yeah, the unmute is on the chats. So on this one, okay. you just call in, and then I uh, I accept. So we can actually okay. take live callers. Uh, on the show. Uh, I think this is going to be a wonderful thing to do tonight. And I think, you know, just your story, there's so much more about even this part. And uh, for the listeners, if you don't understand uh why this woman has fight in her by now Uh and and the story's just begun <laughs> like that that brings us up to 1987. <laughs> a couple years since then mickey
1: <laughs> i was gonna say and two if there's people out there in the medical cabal that you have questions you know maybe now would be a good time to call in and find out you know what's really going on and And ask Mickey questions. I'm glad you
0: brought that up. I would love for people in the medical field. And by the way, we have a lot of nurses and stuff like that in our camps. Uh, We want to hear from you in particular tonight. And let's let's continue that conversation. Uh, Christy, I'll give you the final word. And then Mickey, and then I'll close us out.
1: Well, first off, Mickey, I want to thank you for just resigning and not letting your freedom be stolen from you again um, because that is a big deal. And, you know, with the brainwashing that it's, that you had, it would have been really easy for you to go back into it um, and be complacent, compliant. And um, just thank you for coming forward to tell everyone else um, about it. And for everyone else out there, please, you know, like Jeff said, call in. Use the opportunity that he's given you to um, to contact Mickey. I mean, that's that's all I've got to say. And, of course, you, you can follow PatriotsPerspective.com. Everybody knows that. And like Jeff said, you can shop with me on my Liberty stand, too. You know, if you want to send Jeff the email I'm
0: sure he'll figure out a way. I'll forward, I'll forward it to Christy and she'll <laughs> contact you personally.
1: Okay. <laughs> if you want to shop with me, you can get lipsticks, good lipsticks. I know all the good colors. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I know the way to right right here. go green. That's right. <laughs> right, Mickey. Well, maybe right. I wonder if people are interested in our lipstick colors. They won't be able to see us tonight, but <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's some fun names on them too. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> Eyeliner, <laughs> mascara, everything. Everything. Like the, the best. And it doesn't break my face out at all. No, oh, me either.
2: I, I absolutely love it. And my yeah. and my favorite product of all time is the conditioner, the eyelash conditioner. So just. Before it? You okay. Put your mascara have on. one, yeah. if you haven't tried it. You have to, Jeff. I know that that's not your thing. But oh, Jeff. <laughs> you know what? I think Jeff needs the eyelash conditioner, Mickey. Don't you know?
0: <laughs> Listen, I survived the 80s in a long haired metal band without wearing makeup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, <he's> now. <laughs> I asked him how he, how he survived that one, you know, in the eighties, because know, we were all... Leonard Skinner.
0: Oh, okay. that so
2: <laughs> no,
0: that's Mickey, anything you want to plug at all a website you want to give out or anything.
2: Um, absolutely. I'm actually in the process of setting my website up and I'm so excited, but for right now you can find me on telegram. I have a channel called. Um, uh, Go take it back. And it's about uh, taking America back. And you can find me directly on Telegram. You can direct message me at uh, Warrior Princess 6521. (laughs) And and so, yeah, Warrior Princess 6521. one if you want to direct message me uh, as well. And I think the only thing that I'd like to say um, in closing is um, before I resigned, I needed to have uh, all my ducks in a row. I needed to know that what I was doing was the right thing. I was about to give up an entire career. So when I talk about complicitness, um, if that's a word in the medical field, Um, education is everything. And we as medical professionals, anybody who's out there in the medical community, you are educated individuals. And so when you start to um, educate yourself about things behind the scenes, we're not always intentionally complicit. We may not understand what's going on, but when we finally do start seeing those things, it can be very um, eye-opening.
0: They've been programmed, Mickey. Yes, yes. They've been programmed. The medical field has been programmed
2: absolutely yeah. programmed absolutely and there is not a, a there is not a field in the hospital that you can work in where you are not having to follow uh their narrative not one from housekeeping in the kitchen to physician yeah. all the way and, and i want to say this too in addition to what you
1: just said mickey is i'm going to give all the healthcare care workers a warning there are trials against humanity going on in world court. Don't be a part of it. Find out how to get out That's to make right sure right. that you're not complicit because we ain't playing. That's no, we're not playing.
0: It. It's crime no. against humanity. You're no. absolutely right. And it is happening, folks. Um, things are really ramping up out there and uh, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. But I have a final thought for you all. Y'all. And don't you want to know what is it
2: Y'all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes we have to know jeff you just said y'all
0: y'all love your god <laughs> love your family love your neighbor as yourself and make a difference in your community and one of the ways you do that is by calling in on our live Podbean show 8 30 p.m eastern standard time today we'll see you then